Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. Hey, God bless you, everybody. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And we're your hosts, Matt and Stephanie Garrity. And we're founders of River of Heaven Ministries. And we have a threefold vision to rebuild and restore, equip and empower, and revive and heal. Through these broadcasts, you're going to be touched, rebuilt, and restored, equipped and empowered, and revived and healed. And you're going to be functioning like never before as a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. And so God bless you today. If you want to support the podcast, visit us at www.riverofheaven.org slash donate. Well, hey, God bless you, everybody. Welcome back to uh, Gems for the Journey, Wisdom for the Word of God. It's been a few weeks since we uh, last had a podcast released. And uh, part, part of that reason is because there's been, you know, several people, around our life that's been, you know, going through some things. Uh, You know, COVID-19 is still uh, an issue in our society today. And we believe that obviously that's getting better, that whole situation. But there's some people that have been really close to us and our family, and even some of our friends in ministry who have lost loved ones recently. Uh, Some individuals were healthy individuals. There was no uh, pre-existing conditions or anything of that nature. But we know that through the good times and the bad times that our God is faithful. Amen. You know, it reminds me of a story in scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, where King Jehoshaphat is faced with a big dilemma. You know, there's the enemy is approaching. There's three different factions of the enemy approaching from all different sides. And uh, people are bringing the king reports that the uh, Jerusalem is going to be sieged by the enemy. All these different things, calamity, uh, people complaining, you know, crying out, what are we going to do? And it's interesting because Jehoshaphat, uh, he didn't say, well, I know exactly what to do. I'm the king by God and we can do this and we're going to take this step and we're going to go this direction. That's not what he said. It's actually very interesting what he said. What he said was, I don't know what to do. But then he makes the admission, but Lord, my eyes are on you. And I think that, you know, going into 2022, there are many people that are saying, I know just what to do. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do, I'm going to put this into practice and this strategy into play. And that's great if you've got a, a perfect strategy for what's going on. But there are others who are saying, And have been saying, you know what, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you, Lord. And and I think that that's an awesome place as well. Because for leaders, sometimes it's difficult to admit that we may not always understand the right steps to take. But God blesses those who don't try to make up their own solution, but instead make the admission, you know, I don't know what to do in this situation. I just don't know. I don't have the answer. But I know you do, Lord, so my eyes are on you. And interestingly enough, in 2 Chronicles 20, as that story continues, that it says that the king uh, calls for a fast. They begin to seek the Lord's face uh, in uh, intensity and with intentionality. And then pretty soon, all of a sudden, uh, Jehaziel, a man from 
who was actually a descendant of Asaph from uh, David's tabernacle, he begins to prophesy and he prophesies all these different things. But the main point that a lot of people quote, one of the things he prophesies is, don't worry, king, don't fear, do not fear, nor be dismayed. You know, believe believe uh, the Lord and you shall be established. Believe God's prophets and you shall prosper. And the Lord says this, he says, he goes on to say, uh, and the battle is not yours, king, it's mine. And so, wow. And King Jehoshaphat then is given strategy specifically from the Lord after that, basically telling him, look, just position yourself in a place of praise. Just position yourself in a place of worship, and you're going to watch me do the work for you. In essence, that's what God is saying. You're not going to have to lift a finger, O king, because I'm, the battle's not yours, it's mine. And there, you know, to the people who feel like you're struggling and you don't know what to do, I would encourage you, you just keep your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You just keep seeking his face because he's going to answer you. The Bible says, call upon me, Jeremiah 33, 3, call upon me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things, secret things that the world has not known before. And so God promises us all throughout his word that if we call upon him, if we call upon him, he will answer us and he'll show us great and mighty things. The Bible says it's the glory of the Lord to uh, conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. And so the, the implication is this, as we continue to search as his kings and priests, he's going to reveal things to us. He told the disciples, look, I speak in parables broadly to everyone, but to you, I'll reveal what the parables mean. Other scriptures talk about to, to those uh, who are serving the Lord, he will show him the, co- the covenant. He will show us the covenant. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show us his covenant. Hallelujah. And so, we know that the story continues in 2 Chronicles 20, uh, and it goes on to say that they implemented this strategy. They sent Judah out first. The praisers and the worshipers go out. They begin to sing, Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. They begin to laud their praises to Almighty God. They begin to talk about how amazing he is, that he is good, and then God begins to show off how good he is. It's interesting. When we begin to praise the Lord for who he is, he begins to demonstrate who he is. We don't have to beg him to do things, but we just praise him for who he is, and then he shows forth who he is. And the Bible says the only action the troops of Israel had to do uh, in that occurrence was they stripped the bodies of the spoils and all the, the rewards, all the different things that the enemy had left behind, the things that had, they'd been trying to steal from the people of God, but not just that, but other spoils, other, other uh, rewards of victory, other, pla- other places they had plundered. And so, you know, it's likened also to Joel chapter 2, where it talks about everything that the enemy, everything that the creeping locust, the chewing locust, and the uh, swarming locust, uh, all the different types of locusts, all the different types of species of devourers, if you will. The Lord's going to return and restore and give recompense in those areas. 
And I've got news for you. For those who may, like I said, feel like King Jehoshaphat, may have thrown up their arms in the air after this year and a half of COVID uh, in their ministries, in their personal lives, in their business avenues, uh, whatever the case may be, I want to encourage you today that all is not lost. It's okay to say, I don't know what to do. Matter of fact, when you admit, I don't know what to do, that's when God steps in and says, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to show you what I'm capable of doing, and there's nothing impossible for me. Hallelujah. We serve a God where many say things are impossible, but God says, oh, there's nothing impossible. All things are possible to me. Hallelujah. And so we just bless you. Uh, We bless you in the beginning of this uh, year of 2022. Actually, we're in the middle of it now. But Psalm 6511 is always a great scripture uh, that hits home. For the Lord says, I've crowned the year with my goodness, and a fatness, abundance drops or drips from my paths. Really, it's, it's a, configured a little differently, but it says, you crown the year, speaking of the Lord, you crown the year, Psalm 65, 11, you crown the year with your goodness, and abundance or fatness drips or drops from that path or those paths. Hallelujah. We talk about paths. We think about Jeremiah 6, 16, you know, there, there's a crossroads and Ask for the ancient paths and I'll show you the right way to go. I'll show you the the right way to walk, says the Lord. And so we need to understand that God is giving direction as we humble ourselves. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, as we humble ourselves and pray, if my people who are called by my name, the Lord says, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from wickedness, then I will hear from heaven, forgive the sin and heal the land. And so I believe that one of the things that God is saying specifically regarding 2022 and beyond is this. Don't try to figure it out yourself. You don't all have to have a prophetic word about everything, you know, and I'm a strong proponent of prophetic words. I prophesy. The Lord's given me the, the, the grace and the ability and the gifting to do that, as well as many, many others in the body of Christ. But there's sometimes that we can say, you know what, Lord, I'm not exactly sure what to do. I'm not actually even sure, you know, what way to proceed, but my eyes are on you. And I believe that that's a key also that we see in Isaiah chapter six illustrated, where the prophet is taking this great vision of the throne room of God. And he begins to understand uh, that in the year that King Uzziah died, behold, I saw the Lord. King Uzziah was a great military leader, but the problem was that people started taking their eyes off God and putting their eyes on King Uzziah. And when they did that, Uzziah even got to the point where he started to try to infiltrate and try to mix and try to almost take over and corrupt the things of God with the military might and with the, the leadership gifting and all the things that he had. And God then judged him. But then again, we find those famous words in Isaiah chapter six, where it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, behold, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And it's not until that we take our eyes off of Uzziah, whether we think we're a great leader, or whether we think so-and-so is a great leader, we put this man or this woman on a pedestal, we put even elected officials on pedestals and presidents and vice presidents and everybody else. But Jesus Christ is the only one that we ought to have our eyes on. We can honor people, we can celebrate people, no question. But in the year that King Uzziah died, you will always get a clear vision of the Lord. What needs to die in your life? brothers and sisters, what, what is the Uzziah that you've been trusting in that needs to go away? What is the Uzziah that you've been uh, putting all your strength in, all your confidence in? 
who is that person or what is that that thing in your life that you're doing that with? Because I got news for you. In the year that King Uzziah died, behold, I saw the Lord. And then Isaiah goes on and on talking about the, the glory of the Lord filling the temple. I, I see the angel, angelic host. I, I, you know, I, I hear them crying out, holy, holy, holy. There's a shaking. There's, a, there, there's smoke filling the temple. Many feel like they're not getting quite that intimacy or that closeness with God. In the year that King Uzziah died, behold, I saw the Lord. The answer is all the same. The answer is this. It's humility and purity. It's the willingness to admit and say, you know what? I may not know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And Lord, I'm not going to trust in anything else. I don't have any other gods in my life. Nothing else can save me. Idols can't save me. Sports can't save me. Political uh, affiliation can't save me. Congress can't save me. The president can't save me. The military can't save me, ultimately. I mean, they're here to protect us, obviously, our government and our military and things of that nature. But ultimately, the only one that can save anyone who is the one who is the author of salvation, and that's God. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, hallelujah, Father, you know, many different aspects of the Godhead. But Salvation is found in no other name except for Jesus Christ. And we thank God that he is reigning and ruling on the throne. Nothing catches him off guard. He's not shocked. He's not dismayed. He's not thinking, oh no, what am I going to do today? So-and-so did this, or this country did this, or, or this president or governor did this. No, no, no. He sits apart from it all, enthroned above above all principalities and powers and rulers and hosts of wickedness and all the hosts of heaven and all the stars and all creation. Our Lord of glory sits above it all. Hallelujah. And he's unaffected. He's unaffected by what goes on. My God. And so we've been talking about some very interesting things last year. We started talking about the river of God the river of heaven, if you will. There's many different synonyms that speak of uh, the river that proceeds from the throne of grace. Amen. And we find it many different places in scripture. Then we, then we began to explore this understanding of the sevenfold spirit of God or the seven spirits of God or the really the holy sevenfold spirit of God who is the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. Speaking of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, uh, who would, be, who would come after Isaiah's time. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom, wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And so we explored in depth the Spirit of the Lord. Then we explored the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might. Early uh, or midway through December, we explored the Spirit of knowledge. But what I want to talk about today to finish this off is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And again, we talked about earlier, we referenced different um, topics and different ideas and some different key points of what we believe that God is saying regarding 2022. And one of the things he's saying regarding 2022 and that he's always saying is humble yourself. One of the key things he's saying about 2022 and that he's always saying is keep yourself pure or consecrate yourself to me. Who may ascend the holy hill of the Lord, except the one with clean hands and a pure heart, who's not sworn deceitfully, not lifted up his soul in pride, uh, not lifted up his soul to idols. You know, this is the one who will walk 
in the council of the Lord. This is the one that can ascend the holy hill. And the hill of the Lord speaks of Zion. It speaks of the glory of God. Many are talking about these days, uh, I walk in the glory of God, I carry the glory. Uh, That's great if you have clean hands and and a pure heart. Because if you don't have clean hands and a pure heart, and you're walking in uh, <clears throat> lasciviousness, and you're walking in idolatry, and you're you know, pointing the finger at everyone, and gossiping, and all full of pride and everything else, you may think you're walking in something, but it's not the glory of God. Because the glory of God says, uh, you may not ascend even the hill of the Lord, except those with clean hands and a pure heart. So that speaks to us that we need to take ourselves to the cleansing flow of Calvary. We need to take ourselves to the cleansing pool, hallelujah, the water, to wash ourselves with the water of the word, amen. The Bible says, do not sin, but if you do sin, the Lord Jesus is faithful to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. But the question is, do we really have the fear of the Lord? Do we think that God was mean in the Old Testament, but all of a sudden now he's nice? No, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same God today that hated sin passionately in the Old Covenant. The difference is there's been a propitiation now in the New Covenant. Jesus Christ turned that judgment seat into a mercy seat because He is the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But I want to key in on the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Why is it so important that God would name one of the main characteristics or dimensions of the Spirit of God, of Holy Spirit, why would he want us to understand the spirit of the fear of the Lord? Because many people will talk about an awe of God. Wow, I'm so in awe of you, but it's not really a fear, and it's not really a terror. Actually, if you study the Hebrew, that's exactly what it means. Holy Spirit is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The word fear in the phrase, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, is translated from the Hebrew word yara or yareh. Fear, awe, reverence, but literally means terror. This is the expression of the Spirit where God makes it known that He is loving, but He is also the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is to be feared. He is to be deeply revered. There needs to be an awe in us when we think about Him, when we worship Him, when we pray to Him, even when we speak about Him. See, beloved, He was slain as the Lamb, but He is also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. It is only he who has the ability to create or completely destroy. It is only he who has the power to give life or to take it away. It is only he who has the ability to offer salvation to mankind and also render eternal judgment to all who choose to reject him. The spirit of the fear of the Lord causes us to understand how dreadful sin and evil are and to hate their very existence. Many people say, I've been born again. That's great. One of, one of the indications that you've been born again is that that sin that you used to love so much, you now hate it. And so there's a lot of people that say, I repented and believe in Christ and I've received him and I... Wonderful. But there's fruit that goes along with that. There's proof that you've repented and believed in Jesus Christ. And that's that same sin that used to reign in your life and dominate your life and you were in chains to it. You were in chains to your master, Satan, when you lived in the kingdom of darkness. Now, instead of being in chains to sin 
and ongoingly serving the compulsion of sin and not being able to get free of it, if you've been born again, God has broken the power of sin. He has broken the power of hell, death, and the grave over your life. But the question is, do you wear a cross around your neck? And is that your experience? Is that what you are really doing in your life? Is that really your heart of what's going on in your life? Or do you wear a cross around your neck and you still live in sin every day? And I'm not talking about stumbling. I'm not talking about uh, this understanding that, you know, obviously no one's perfect. That goes without saying. But the Bible says that he who has been born of the Spirit does not continue in sin. And if you look at the vernacular and the actual original language in Scripture, that means does not continue to make a practice of sin. In other words, if you've been born again, sin no longer reigns and dominates in your life. And if it does, you may have felt the warm fuzzies inside and you may have said, I repent, and you may have cried, but there may not have been a true conversion. Because the proof that there was is that A, you no longer love and enjoy sin like you used to. You have a hatred for it now because it was part of the reason that the Lord of glory was crucified. And B, it no longer dominates your life. You can say no to it. Because now there's a moving of the power of God that has broken the chains over your life. Hallelujah. There are many people who hear a gospel. And when I say a gospel, I'm saying that poignantly for a reason, because it's not the gospel. It goes something like this. This is the gospel many people hear. Just receive Jesus today and your life will be better than you ever imagined it could be. That's a false gospel. Secondly, receive Jesus today and you will be rich beyond riches and you will will never have a worry or care in this world. Life will be perfect. That's a false gospel. Receive Jesus today because uh, if you don't, then it's, it's going to be a bad shake for you. You're not going to have a good life and, and you're not going to be able to experience all the great things in your life that, that you could do uh, otherwise. It's getting better, but that's still a false gospel. Repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall be saved. For in your heart you believe, with your mouth you confess. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you shall be saved. It's the true gospel. Repent and believe. Turn. Turn. Turn away from your sin. Now God's grace, we talked about this before, His goodness is kindness. The word of God is clear. That initiates the process. Absolutely. However, We must exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he initiates the process, we exercise our faith by turning. So his goodness, his kindness leads us to repentance. We turn from our sin and then his grace saves us on the other side. I call it a grace sandwich. But the fear of the Lord is part of that because the Bible says in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, that there's things that God loves and there's things that God hates. These six things the Lord hates and seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Wow. 
And so if you've been born again, do you love what God loves only? Do you actually hate what God hates? Because brothers and sisters, uh, people who are listening to this podcast, if you've been born again, there's been a change. There's been an internal moving. There's been a change of kingdom from darkness into light. And that means that the spirit of the living God, the one who says, I hate certain things and I love certain things. Guess what? His spirit is now dwelling in you. And when you yield to his spirit, you begin to hate the things that he hates. So you will hate the same things he hates. You will hate proud looks. You will hate lying tongues. You will hate the shedding of innocent blood. You will hate the divide, the division or the plotting of wicked plans. You will hate things that are swift to run to evil, the action of running into evil. You will hate uh, those false witnesses that speak lies. I'm not talking about the people, but I'm talking about the witness itself and the one who sows discord among the brethren. Again, discord. Do you hate those things? Do you hate those things? Because if you don't, again, you've got to ask yourself the question, have I been born? And if, if I've been born, do I have the fear of the Lord? Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. That's what the Lord says. Do you hate evil, beloved? Do you hate pride and arrogance? Do you hate the perverse mouth or you still curse and think it's funny? I mean, we can all talk about this, you know, but the real church is standing up during this time. No, we're not perfect. No, no one is able to be perfect, but we're submitting ourselves to the process of sanctification. And the Lord Jesus Christ has a bride and that bride is making herself ready because of the preparation that the bridegroom has her undergoing. You see, the Spirit's manifestation of the fear of the Lord in our lives causes us to love only what God loves and to hate only what God hates. Hallelujah. We need to understand that. Glory to God. The fear of the Lord is also the beginning of knowledge as we just talked about. According to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, there is a strong connection between knowledge and the fear of the Lord as is illustrated in Isaiah eleven two. This is why God coupled the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord together in in that scripture. God is saying to stand in awe of him and to walk in reverent fear of him is the gateway, hear me, or the doorway to knowledge. And that word knowledge is not just, you know, thinking or, you know, uh, head knowledge or any of that. No, what that word, the root word means, we talked about it. It means true intimacy with God. In other words, the doorway or the gateway to true intimacy with God is the fear of the Lord. Do we love what he loves? Do we hate what he hates? When we love what God loves and hate what he hates, we are able to see clearly. We will perceive. We will see from the Lord's perspective. Fearing the Lord and hating and resisting sin allows our vessels to be clean vessels, to be noble vessels, to be vessels of silver and gold instead of wood, hay, and stubble or wood, hay, and straw and allows our sight to be clear to see what the Spirit of the Lord wants to show us. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So in other words, if you don't honor the fear of the Lord, God says it's foolishness. Proverbs 2.5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Again, talking about when you seek the Lord, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. Are you seeking him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Or are you seeking what you want to seek? Are you uh, shopping through Christianity and saying, I like this, but I don't like this very much? Can't do it, beloved. 
See, when we surrender to the fear of the Lord, we also allow God to preserve our lives from harm, danger, and having short, problematic lives. We legitimately avoid dying early beyond, or excuse me, before our time of being full of years by acknowledging and heeding the spirit of the fear of the Lord. People quote these scriptures all the time, but this is contingent upon, do we fear God? The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. People quote, oh God, I thank you that you're a fountain of life and you turn me away from the snares of death. Yes, the fear of the Lord is, but do you fear the Lord? Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Do you want to be free from being visited with random evil? The Bible says that we must then fear the Lord, my God. Look at this. Uh, People want to move in signs, wonders, and miracles. But do you know that the ingredient, the atmosphere that needs to be present for true signs, wonders, and miracles to come place is is the fear of the Lord. Acts 2, 42 and 43. And they, the followers of God, the apostles, the disciples, those who followed Christ, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear, that word is the same Hebrew word, then fear, yairai came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. My God. So if there's not any wonders and signs, see if the fear of the Lord's there. If there's not the fear of the Lord, check to see if there's steadfastness in the apostles' doctrine, the word of God, fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. It's an ingredient or a group of ingredients or a a recipe, if you will, for God to be in a a situation where he's going to bring signs, wonders, and miracles. But I got news for you. If you're not saved, if there's not a steadfastness, if there's not a steadfastness in the word of God and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer, as what we find even in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, then guess what? There likely will be not many signs, wonders, and miracles. However, if there is steadfastness in the apostles' doctrine, the word of God, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer, then there's going to be the fear of the Lord. And then there will be signs, wonders, and miracles like you wouldn't even ever imagine before. Acts chapter 9 verse 3 says, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Wow. And that obviously is talking about after what happened with the death of Ananias and Sapphira. After the fear of the Lord was made evident to everybody, you can't just mess with the Holy Ghost. You can't just lie to the Holy Spirit and get away with it. God will hold you accountable. Wow. And so what a powerful topic. There's so much more in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. You know, if you want more, I would encourage you to get your hands on my book, Holy Spirit, the Sevenfold Spirit of God. You can find it on Apple iBooks. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it in Barnes and Noble. I mean, the ebook is pretty much everywhere. Uh, You can also order it from bookstores if it's not in a local bookstore that you visit often. But if you really are are cutting your teeth on what I'm teaching on today, make sure you grab the book because there's so much more. Uh, We're not going to have a chance to get into that today, but stay tuned because we're going to visit the topic of the fear of the Lord, that gem, if you will, from time to time. So, Be encouraged, beloved. 
This might be a time where it looks like there's darkness, gross darkness, all this darkness that people are prophesying doom and gloom. Oh no, what are we going to do? But listen, Jesus warned us that all these things would come. There are sorrows. It's, it's what he said would happen in the end times. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 60 says there'll be darkness and gross darkness, but there is hope. And the hope is this, arise and shine, my beloved. Arise and shine, people of God, men and women of God. Beloved church, hallelujah. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So we just want to thank you for tuning in. We really honor all of you and thank you for taking your time to listen to this podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to your life and encourages you. You know, if you ever want to get in contact with us, we our contact information is posted on the CPN Show's uh, website. And also you can contact us at www.riverofheaven.org. Again, we're listener supported with our both our radio broadcast and our podcast. And so thank you for your faithful support. If you want to donate, you can visit that same website. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord give you his peace, his shalom. Goodbye. If you'd like to connect with us, you can go to our website at www.riverofheaven.org. River of Heaven Ministries is advancing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven through various means. In James 1.27, Scripture teaches us to care for the widows and the orphans. We take this seriously and are actively involved in supporting widows and others in need on a monthly basis. Together, we can do more. Additionally, our radio broadcasts and podcasts reach all nations, touching lives worldwide. Daily, new listeners hear the gospel, and through these broadcasts and podcasts, millions have an opportunity to repent, believe, and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Listeners also learn about powerful Tabernacle of David principles through our teaching, encouraging all to worship the Father in spirit and in truth with great passion and purity. Your financial gift of any amount will help us to continue to support those in need and allow us to launch high-quality recorded radio broadcasts, podcasts, and teaching that are available for free to anyone who has internet access. With your prayers and financial support, We will continue to reach millions in our generation and multiply millions in generations to come. Thank you for partnering with us.